My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Okay, so are you ready, Phoebe, for the Let's Make a Rom-Com You 2 or Rom-Com game? <laughs> okay. First quote, all I want is you. Okay, that's you two. Okay, great, great. And what's the name of the song? Uh, all I want is you. Yeah, great, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> What you're hearing is a game Mark, Ryan, and I have come up with to test our guest knowledge. It's called Rom-Com or You 2 Today's guest... My name is Phoebe Robinson. I'm an actress, writer, producer, podcaster, obsessed U2 fan, and I, cheesecake is my favorite dessert. There we go. <laughs> the game is simple. We read a quote, and the guest has to decide whether that quote is a line from a romantic comedy or a line from a U2 song. Okay, here's another one. I wanted it to be you. I wanted it to be you so badly. <gasps> you got mail. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Excellent. That's that fantastic. A, Meg, Great work. Meg, Ryan, Meg Ryan says yes. it to Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. am blown away that you just pulled that out. That was amazing. <laughs> that was very good. Phoebe has an upper hand in this game. When she says she's obsessed with you two, she means it. I love them so much. I've seen them 19 times all around the world. Oh, my God. I mean, that's why we created the game for her. Doi. Okay, here we go. We just got a couple more. You put me back together again. Is that a U2 lyric? It is. Okay. It's a trip through your wires. Because much like romantic comedies, U2 lyrics are great at capturing emotional longing. You know, sappy feelings. You've done so well. I'm going to end on this is a bit of a trick. So just bear with us here. See if you can do this. Okay. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love means slowly losing your mind. Oh, yeah. You did get hard really quickly. <laughs> love it. Oh. What does your gut tell you? Oh, is this a U2 oh, song or oh, is it a quote? You 2 Love is blind, blindness. Is that the name of the song? No, it's not a U2 song. This is a trick. This is from 27 Dresses, and somebody just said a rhyming thing that sounded like a U2 lyric. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was good. Rom-Com Line or U2 Lyric isn't just a fun game for us to play with our rom-com expert. It's a way for us to wrap our heads around today's challenge. Writing Dialogue. Specifically, writing dialogue to make our couple fall in love with each other. We want to write something funny, realistic, relatable. We don't want to write anything that's too sappy. Certainly nothing that could be confused for a U2 lyric. We have to find a balance. It's Let's Make a Rom-Com. This week, we're writing romantic dialogue, so we decided to start off by pulling some inspiration from our own love lives. 
Mark, Ryan, and I each went through our old emails and notebooks to find the most romantic things we've ever written. Love letters to our past and current partners. All of my correspondence are from me to my now wife uh, when we first started dating. I was on the road 80% of the time for about 20 years. Mark is American. His wife is Canadian. And when he became a resident of Canada, in order to prove their relationship was real, he had to send a bunch of their love letters to the government. Like personal letters. Mm -hmm. And I pulled up some love letters from that time, which was years and years ago. And knowing that story, going through my love letters, I was like, I got to stop putting a sex thing in every single, at the end of every single letter. Well, that is That's the thing. Because it'll be like normal correspondence. It's like horrible at the end. Yeah. And then suddenly it's horny at the end. I think think that's very normal because that's how, like, I had to be like, this one was almost perfect. (laughs) So you didn't send any of the horny ones to the government, Mark? I did not send any, anything that had like, Super horny, but I ended up having to send some that had like or a little bit horny. A little bit horny. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's what they want. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> of course. Perverts. Mark conveniently misplaced all his horny love letters, so he had to share one that was sweet. Uh, so this is like it looks like I just got into Edinburgh. If I get emotional, I apologize. Mm. I just remember these times. Anita, I'm home, meaning I'm where I'm staying. I would always say home. I never had a home. Anita, I'm home. I want to talk. We can't talk. Every little thing that happens, I want to tell you. And so many little things have happened today, but I'm tired. My body is tired. I want to tell you, sweet Anita, but it's darker outside than normal. And I feel like I'm lost in space. I feel sleepy. It's been a while since I felt sleepy this early. Going to turn in. But remember, talking to you is better than sleep will ever be. In case you feel like texting me to let me know that you're able to chat. I'll write tomorrow from the coffee place. Keep my heart safe. I need it for a few more years. I need oh it for a few God. more years. That's so sweet. I know, but I used to be so like sappy. You still are. with her. I am still a bit of a sap. Ryan shared a love letter he received. Not exactly the assignment, but okay, a keepsake from his girlfriend Lily. And this one is not really about the words, but I've kept it as like an artifact of my love between my love, <laughs> your love, our love, my love? my partner Lily and I. This is a month after we'd been like had this whirlwind month, and she was going away to Europe because she had, before we got together she had planned she's going away anyways. And that night I had gotten into a car accident and almost like I totaled the, my car. And like the fire people were like, "That was a really bad accident. You're crazy to be like walking around right now." And so we were supposed to have one final night, but I wasn't able to. She had to leave to the airport, and I didn't wasn't able to get back. And I kept this just because of like how she wrote it down. And she, so I just want to like the house was full of paper. There was paper everywhere, notebooks, printer paper, and she used the she ripped this Swiffer. <laughs> box apart <laughs> and wrote on it. And she just says, my love, I'm so sorry I didn't get to see you and kiss you before I left. Thank you so much for everything this month. I will miss you tremendous and think about you all the time. I'm going to cab home and hop on the bus to the airport. I love you, XOXO Lily. But I just I just keep it because like, I just imagine her little hands ripping apart the mm. box. And just like, because my thing about Lily is like, she's always, her motto is, there's no time. <laughs> <laughs> everything happens so fast. And I was oh, just, really? uh, I just love that she just, just kind of ripped it apart. She's always trying to throw it away, too. She's like, it's a box. And I'm like, yeah, but it's yeah. got your fingerprints all over it. My emails to a former boyfriend were a little more chaotic, but romantic nonetheless. And this is between me and a boyfriend. Uh, the first one goes, it's a forwarded message where someone is <laughs> like telling me what comedy shows to uh, write to try and get on. Mm. 
and I forwarded it to my boyfriend and said, how do I do this? I don't know. Do I type out the email for each one? <laughs> and it just occurred to me, like, your per- person just helps you so much. Oh, like, my God. Print this off. What's this thing? Sign up for that. Like, yeah. do, is this, does this, does this flight path look okay? Yeah. Like, so that's actually cute. Yeah. A second set of eyes. It's so true how much, like, you just rely on, I mean, depending on the nature of your relationship but it is like you're yeah. just totally <laughs> like throwing so much at them all the time without even thinking it was fun listening to everyone else's love stories but to be honest i hated looking back on my past romances i found this hard and embarrassing and it gave me a lot less faith that we could pull off this rom-com because mm-hmm. i was like this is my real life where i was completely unbridled and it's just awful it's mm-hmm. insane I, but i would defend that and say like it should be like i mean maybe i'm just defending myself because i found it very similar and i de- i definitely read somewhere i 100 thought i was being like clever mm-hmm. and yeah. like really funny mm-hmm. and like it was just like oh god <laughs> so but i think that Real life is more like that. And like, we need to learn from that and be like, we don't want it to sound like this. Yeah, yeah we don't want it to sound like Because it sounds life. too cringy. Mm-hmm. So, how do we harness our knack for writing hard on our sleeve love letters in real life and transform it into charming dialogue for our characters? Thankfully, we have an expert on taking real life relationships and turning them into on screen comedy. Let's bring Phoebe Robinson back into the mix. I love romantic comedies. You know, for me, Sex and the City is canon. Phoebe Robinson is probably best known for being one of the hosts of the seminal podcast, Two Dope Queens. Hi, you're listening to Two Dope Queens from WNYC Studios. I'm Jessica Motherfreakin'-Williams. And I'm Phoebe Motherflippin' Robinson. And we're here to... But she's a jack-of-all-trades in the entertainment business. She's a screenwriter, an essayist who's published two books... And in 2022, she wrote and starred in her own rom-com TV series, Everything's Trash. We both know today was cray. I switched birth control pills, made me loops. And one of the side effects is cussing people out and stealing coffee machines, which could be kind of cool for season three of the podcast, right? (laughs) Unhinged Phoebes? The show is about Phoebe, a podcaster with a messy life who's forced to grow up when her brother Jaden becomes a prominent politician. And rather than be repulsed by the mushiness of real life, like we were with our love letters, Everything's Trash leans into it. Working on Everything's Trash, which is adapted from my book, Everything's Trash, but it's okay. I feel like we did a good mix of things that happened in my life and things that happened to, you know, the various writers and stuff. And so, you know, obviously the sort of foundational things, me being a broke podcaster in New York was like ripped from the headlines, you know, law and order style. (laughs) Uh, My brother running for office, he uh, is a politician in Ohio. But back to dialogue. What inspires us about Phoebe's writing is her ability to be vulnerable without being corny. For example, there's a scene in her show where TV Phoebe almost tanks her brother's campaign, but in the nick of time, she saves the day. She and her brother share a tender moment, and he wants to express his sibling love. Uh, Sorry I got crazy. Sorry I'm so messy. I know it's not always easy with me. Easy? It's so boring. (laughs) You are the brightest damn light I know. Jaden, the brightest damn light I know. I like that. Not an I love you or I'm proud of you. It's something slightly off and a bit more realistic. Would I ever say that in real life? To my sibling? No. But does it work on the show? Yes. 
with him saying, you're the brightest light I know, that's him saying, like, I love you so much. My real life brother and I, we don't always say, like, I'm much like, I love you, love you, love you. He's not like that. But I know that he loves me. And he'll, like, say other things that if you read the subtext, you go, oh, yeah, he loves me. I think that's how people are. And, you know, sometimes, like, you say I love you in your own way. And it's really sweet. And I think that's why people do respond to that scene so well and so positively. Because it does sort of reflect real life. And just the kind of, like... Uh, You mean a lot to me, but I'm not going to, like, say that because I don't feel like crying right now. So I say this other thing that's, like, close enough to it. Saying this other thing that's close enough to it, also known as subtext. I think for our romantic dialogue to be palatable, we should try writing around the things we're trying to say. And if that isn't quite working, Phoebe gave us another trick to gut check our script. We would go through the script page by page as a room and um, we would sign everyone parts and then we would read through every scene aloud and then we would go back at the top of that scene and go okay what do you want to change here what feels inauthentic what feels great but it was a lot of like once you read stuff aloud um you sort of go oh okay i know how this sounds so if we want to ensure our dialogue is working we need to get it onto the page and read it out loud Sounds like it's time for another vomit draft. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Okay, we all in the script? As homework, Mark, Ryan, and I went away to write a few falling in love scenes. These are scenes that come early in the movie before the relationship is complicated by finding out who his ex-girlfriend is. The goal being to avoid bad dialogue, but also actually write something that has the audience rooting for Greg and Catalina's love. This is the most nervous I've been the whole time. Nervous about what you've written? Yeah. Why? What? What Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's just a very vulnerable little scene. I'm not even convinced it makes logistical sense. (laughs) I never think of logistics when I write these first pitch, sort of first go pitches. You know what I mean? Like that's helpful for me at least. Greg pulls out 17 oranges (laughs) with one hand. This is huge. <laughs> is that what you mean? Just whatever they need? <laughs> we began to read the scenes starting with Ryan's. Okay, I'm ready if you guys are. He handed out the roles. Would you guys read Greg and Catalina and I'll do the stage directions? His takes place in a grocery store as Greg and Kat are getting ready for a date. Interior Greg's grocery store. Night. Greg has a clipboard and is going through two massive pallets of foodstuffs. Catalina is sitting on the front counter, legs dangling absentmindedly. So, when do you plan on whisking me away to our fancy restaurant plans? I'm sorry, it shouldn't be too much longer. I just have to check everything like nine times because they keep screwing me on this order. Oh, I know. I'm not worried. I'm just trying to be a bit, like, coquettish. Did it work? Shit. Okay, it didn't. That's fine. There's no oat milk. Oh, you're talking about foodstuffs. 
There should have been three pallets. I knew it! You cracked the case! I'm sorry, give me a minute. I'm gonna need to make a call here. In your tiny office? Yes, in my tiny office. Can maybe catch the driver before he finishes his route. Help yourself to some 10 cent candies. I'll be right back. <laughs> he closes the door, leaving Catalina alone in the store. She hops off the counter and begins to explore a bit. As she slowly walks behind the counter, she sees a picture of a kid's baseball team with a beaming Greg standing beside them. Taped up with the photo is a thank you card. Catalina checks to see if Greg is still in his office and then picks up the card and reads it. Dear Coach Greg, thank you for all the time you spent with us. Can't wait for next year. Sincerely, baseball team. (laughs) I don't know who they are yet, but they're a kid's baseball team. Something. She smiles and replaces the card on the wall just as Greg walks back out. I can't go out tonight. Why not? What's wrong? The delivery guy is going to come back when he's done his route, but that could be any time between now and 2 a.m., so i got to wait here. I'll wait here with you. You don't have to stay. It'll be boring. Uh, maybe for you, but I'm currently in a grocery store after hours. I'm like a cat burglar. I can touch anything I want. Besides, now we can have a cute little impromptu grocery store date. I'll make a little table out of pineapples and paper towels or something. I have tables and chairs over there by the coffee station. Greg, this is impromptu. I'm making a table and you're going to sit at it. Or kneel, maybe, depending on the materials. Also, do you have those little cereals that come in variety packs? He points at the pallets. In there. Why? Main course. Or appetizers. Or both. They smile at each other. Catalina starts to dig around in the pallet. Greg flinches at first, but then softens into a smile as he watches Catalina. And that's the scene. Cute. They're going to have a little in-the-grocery-store cute dinner. Okay, not bad. There was some heart, and we loved Brian finding a way to get baseball back in the film. I like baseballs ever, ever, ever <laughs> yes, present. I know. <laughs> oh, and then her seeing, her seeing that he's a coach is so cute. They couldn't Sincerely have done it without baseball. it. I loved that. I loved. That. I love actually. A thank you card is a great way to show something and not tell. Yeah. you know what I mean. Where the mm-hmm. the character knows something about them that the other person doesn't. In the same way, Phoebe Robinson uses subtext. The letter is a device that circles around the mushy stuff without having your character come right out and say it. We learn that Greg is a good guy who cares about kids without him having to say, I'm a good guy who cares about kids. Next up is my scene. Exterior. This is bad, okay. Exterior. Just a little break. (laughs) It's bad. Where Greg and Kat leave a crowded bar and try and find a way home to their separate apartments. Exterior, a fun bar that plays live music. You know the kind. Music blares and Catalina and Greg spill out onto the street, quite buzzed and having a great time. It's not working. You can't Shazam a live band. Sometimes it works. (laughs) It doesn't work. But we'll never know what band they were. They were so amazing. I wish I could have another bat mitzvah and they could be the band. You're Jewish? No. Why (laughs) would you assume that? You, You said you had a bat mitzvah? Oh, yeah. For Alfred. Who's Alfred? You don't know Alfred? It's crazy. Alfred. I've told you about him. He's my stepdad. No, I I don't know you that well. I guess I just feel like I've known you for a while. I feel like that, too. He grabs her hand and pulls her across the street. Come on. There's a cab stand close. They walk across the street briskly. You walk really fast. <laughs> it's going to rain. No, it's not. There's not a cloud in the sky. Trust me. This is my superpower. Just then, the bottom of Greg's bag splits and all his stuff falls onto the sidewalk. Oh, no! Oh, shit! 
They scrambled to pick up Greg's things, keys, wallet, a lot of receipts, some mints, loose change. Catalina goes to pick up something shiny and realize it's not a coin, but a condom. She looks at Greg, who's scrambling to pick up the other things. He doesn't notice that she sees the condom. She picks it up and slides it into her pocket without noticing. Interior, taxi cab, moments later. Greg and Catalina hold hands in the back of the cab. It's pouring rain. They're good. It's a gift and a curse, but it's nice to always know what to wear. Okay. You guys are so cute. Greg notices they're at his house. Oh, this is it. Is this enough to take my friend here to the other address? Um, yeah, I, I, I would do it for free. You guys are so freaking cute. <laughs> Thanks. Greg and Catalina look at each other. It's time to say goodnight. It was a really fun night. I had a great time. Me too. The cab driver has his fingers crossed in the front seat. <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Greg goes to close the door. Oh, Greg, did you forget something? No. Are you sure? Nothing? The restaurant or something? I don't think so. Hmm. She flashes Greg the condom that he dropped on the road. Are you sure? We could go upstairs and call the restaurant and check. Greg reacts to the condom and to what she's saying and plays along. Yeah. Oh, shit. My inhaler. Do you want to come upstairs and help me call them? Yeah, I better make sure you get your inhaler. She hops out of the cab. Keep the change, man. Thanks. Door slam. They run off into the building, kissing and everything. The cab driver drives away. Fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I realized I should have done the cabbie with a Midwest accent. Chicago. I forgot to tell you also, this scene takes place before they've ever had sex. Right. Uh, At all with anyone? Yeah. That's our producer, Dave. At all with anyone. I love that. I loved it. How does Greg's bag, like his backpack breaks? This is my question, too. Yeah, the, were, they, I know. were they at a club? Oh, yeah. I know. When it's he like, bag, I was picturing like first a paper bag, then like a purse. I know. I was like, does he have like a little fanny pack or backpack I, or like his like messenger bag? I was like, boys yeah. don't. But I wonder if that could bag. be in the scene. Like he's like, he brought, like he went to a club and he brought like a backpack. Like it's kind of like an yeah. endearing thing. Like you can't. don't go out right. to clubs that much sort of thing like <laughs> i brought my backpack yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly to us this scene felt more dynamic partly because of the presence of another character the cab driver is just funny hilariously over the top <laughs> in his wanting he's them to be cute, together he's such not a that classic creepy. he's just like thank you so thing. Cute. yeah you guys are so freaking cute I'd, I'd do this for free this is a trick phoebe robinson uses in her writing too it's something she calls triangulation. This is a thing I learned from my showrunner, Jonathan Groff, who is brilliant, blackish, happy endings, scrubs, how I met your mother, Conan, like this guy's a hit maker. No, not the Jonathan Groff from Glee and Frozen. I sort of see like, okay, how will Phoebe, Jaden, and Jesse interact? How will Phoebe, Michael, and Malika interact? Like how they each inform each other? Doing this triangulation thing reveals character traits that you didn't even realize were there. And the more fully realized your character is, the better the dialogue will be. I feel like once you have a good handle on who the characters are and how they move the world and like sort of what their subtext is and everything, it makes it easier to sort of write dialogue that sounds like them. It's a long way of saying I just like doing homework. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes the um, it makes the fun bits um, like dialogue actually super fun. So, let's see what character traits are revealed about Greg and Catalina in Mark's scene, where he has them interacting with not one, but two third characters, if that 
adds up. I will do stage directions. Ryan, nice. you do Greg. Grog. Maddie, you do. I'll do. St- I'm going to do Zeta. Yes, please do Zeta. I would love to hear your your take on Zeta trigonometry. And then I'll also read the Park nice. Cop. And yeah, he's already putting our favorite side character Zeta trigonometry to good use. Exterior Grant Park. Day. Catalina and Greg stroll through the park, heading towards Buckingham Fountain. It's a big, beautiful fountain. It's a sunny afternoon, and the park is bustling. I love a good fountain. Oh, yeah, me too. I thought it would be cool to make a living making moving sculptures with giant fountains. What made you not do do that? Well, first of all, the materials are ridiculously expensive. A starter fountain is going to run you thousands. And second of all, I don't know anything about any of that at all. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably not a fountain-based arts college. At least not in this country. Nearby, a street performer has amassed a small crowd. He wears a shirt that says Zeta Trigonometry and a head mic attached to a mini amp on his chest. He stands next to a whiteboard that he's scribbling math problems on. He spots Greg and Catalina and calls over. Hey, you two, the cute couple with the matching jean shorts. What's your favorite two-digit number? This is the first time we see that Catalina and Greg are wearing similar jean shorts. <laughs> oh, no. Was he talking to us? I guess we are wearing similar shorts. I, I, did, I didn't even clock that. Quick, quick, quick. Favorite number. 24. Good job. I, I couldn't decide. I have so many favorite two-digit numbers. Oh, me too. It's like picking a favorite desert island owl. Now I'm going to carry the three to the top. Oh, boy, that's one heavy three. He called us a couple. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to say anything because I wanted to play it cool. Yeah, me too, but then I, I couldn't help myself, but uh, I had to say something. And Abraca Algebra, we get seven. The crowd claps mildly. So, uh... Are we a couple then? Are, are we going steady? Yes. Yes, we are. I'll just pull out my magic wand. It's a ruler. I pulled out a ruler. <laughs> Do you think Zeta Trigonometry should be invited to our wedding? Are you kidding? He's the MC. No, no. He's going to be my best man. Now, I think we're done with the main course. Who's ready for a little pie for dessert? <laughs> this guy here wants 3.14 slices of it. 3.14159 slices of it if you want to be more precise. Right? You want to, um, keep walking? Yeah, yeah, I I think it's time. Exterior Grant Park, moments later, the cute couple come across a slightly larger-than-life statue of Abraham Lincoln, his arms outstretched, caught in mid-oration. I dare you to climb into his arms and pretend that he's carrying your unconscious body. What do I get if I do it? A cool-ass photo. I don't know, there's a lot of people around, and a super serious-looking park cop. That's why it's a dare. Before Greg knows it, Catalina has crawled up Abraham's body and has placed herself in his arms. She flops her head back and her arms go limp. It looks like he's rushing her lifeless body somewhere. (laughs) Greg pulls out his phone and snaps a few pictures. The park cop makes a beeline for them like the bad Terminator in (laughs) T2 Judgment Day. Ma'am, I need you to step down from the sculpture immediately. I think she's sleeping. Miss, you have to get down now or I will cite you. Okay, okay, here I come. She does a fairly athletic-looking dismount from the statue's arm and lands between Greg and the park cop. Please don't give me a ticket. Are you aware that the maximum penalty of your criminal mischief is a $5,000 penalty and two years in prison? Well, we... Fifth Amendment. Are you aware that I could have it? Have you arrested right now? <laughs> Fifth Amendment. I'm not screwing around here. This is not how anybody behaves in my park. Now, kindly leave the area before I start cuffing wrists. Uh-huh. Catalina and Greg share a quick look and start walking away. <laughs> Exterior park later. Catalina Greg are standing by a pond watching some little ducklings swim. Remember that time you insisted on climbing Abraham Lincoln and then we got in trouble and got kicked out of the park in front of a whole bunch of people? Yeah, I do. It's still kind of happening. The park cop is following us. <laughs> All the way to the park exit, please. Uh, yeah, we should. We should keep walking. 
They walk towards the park exit, holding hands. <laughs> Yay! And so, a round of vomit drafts is done. And I gotta say, there's something there. We're pretty happy with how the dialogue turned out. There were some genuine laughs, and they weren't too cringy like our love letters. And I see the dynamic we're gravitating towards is one where Catalina and Greg are a little team that either goes up against a foe, like the security guard, or gets cheered on by an onlooker, like the taxi driver. Most of all, it feels like they're really falling in love. To paraphrase you two, they've really found what they're looking for. Unfortunately, this little team can't be happy forever. It wouldn't be much of a movie if they were. How are Greg and Catalina gonna handle it when their relationship is put to the test? I can't reassure you about this forever. We're supposed to be having fun. You love sauerkraut. Ironically! I love sauerkraut, ironically! The Crisis, next time on Let's Make a Rom-Com. Make a Rom-Com is a production of CBC Podcasts and Kelly and Kelly. Hosted by Maddie Kelly, Mark Chavez, and Ryan Beal. And created by Kelly and Kelly. This episode is written and produced by Dave Shimka, Chris Kelly, and Max Collins. Coordinating producer, Lauren Berkovich. Associate producer, Rebecca Pang. For CBC, Jeff Turner is our senior producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. And Arif Nurani is the director of CBC Podcasts. Our theme song is by Chris Kelly and Colin Cowan. Special thanks to Phoebe Robinson. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.